What's going on? Just goes to show listeners. It's your co-host Ridge. We're back. Yeah, again, Jack. A little bit later this week, Thursday. We needed some time to recover from our fan meetup, but uh, ready to ready to get back into the prem as always. And uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, likewise, mate. Um, I think we'll start right there. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the fan meetup in Chicago this past weekend. We'll go through the slew of Premier League results. Um, some it was a crazy prem weekend um and then we'll look ahead to this weekend we'll drive by the fantasy corner um i think you're giving me trivia this week so you guys mm-hmm. will watch me um fumble nervously through that and then we'll end with the predictor as always so um first to, to kick it off uh this is our first officially sponsored pod um this pod is sponsored by uh gage mankoski um, the instagram handle g M-E-N-K-O-S-K-Y, G. Minkowski, um, Gage sponsored, uh, sponsored us. He's agreed to be our first sponsor this weekend um, at, at our fan meetup in Chicago. Um, so thanks for, uh, just remember, again, this pod is brought to you by G. Minkowski on Instagram. Give him a follow. He's a great follow and a great loyal sponsor. So excited to have him on board with the JGTS brand. Uh, I'm sure he'll he'll promote us well, and hopefully we can uh, you know deliver for him as well on the, on the IG follower yeah. front. Exactly, and uh, who knows? I, I think we might uh, we might see him his brand um, over our merch uh, TBD on merch, but um, you might see that in the in the in the coming months and uh, and such. So, Chris, let's first talk about a little bit of context for for the listeners. We had uh, Chris and I were together this past weekend in Chicago. Chris made the bold drive by himself, a uh, good five hours from. Uh, Metro Detroit to Chicago, um, and uh, we got to consume the Premier League action as co-hosts uh, together, which was great. Um, we actually had a fan meetup. Um, a couple fans of the JGS pod came to Fado with us, which is a bar in downtown Chicago. Um, we rolled up, and uh, and we actually went there to watch the Villa Palace fixture, um, otherwise known as the Andy Ridgeway Cup, and um, that fixture just... Uh, wasn't on TV there, and the servers there were quite adamant that they were not going to show it. And they were kind of looking at it as like, there's a Spurs TV over there, there's an, there's Arsenal TVs everywhere. Um, like, who else would you possibly be watching? Like, well, what, was, what it, we're not, we're not going to have that game on. It was funny, too. So we watched the Man City game earlier at your place before we left, and we got there, and we asked, she asked what we wanted to watch, and we said that, and she's like, oh, I think we're only showing Chelsea and Man City here. And you're like, yeah, no, Man City just ended. We just watched it. So, um, you know, Palace and Villa haven't made their way to, to Fado, apparently. Um, so we had to, to watch that on the phone and pay attention to the other games on the TVs. Yeah, so we, uh, Arsenal, um, and let me tell you, the Arsenal fans out there have come out of the woodwork this season, right? Like, with these Arsenal results and where they're at in the table, like, I mean, I saw, I saw a guy at the pub with his girlfriend he didn't look like he'd been outside in weeks and he of course had a like a old you know o2 arena 2003 invincible season arsenal kit on and i was like this guy is not not an arsenal fan but alas he was uh, yeah the arsenal fans were obnoxious there were a lot of them we had some guys right next to us at the table next to us who were very loud um I would just say that they seem like newer fans by the way that they talked, right? I mean, maybe it's the American speaking them and we're used to mixing it up with some Brits, but it, it was a little bit like cringy kind of listening to them. I was, I was pissing next to one of the guys at the urinal uh, before the end of the match and they were struggling still at this point. And he was just beside himself. 
And I could just tell, like, it might be his first year watching the Premier League. But needless to say, they did have a lot of support there. And that match was absolutely bonkers. So it was fun to have a bit of an atmosphere at Fado for that. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, it, I think you're right with the comms. Like, you can always tell when people take, like, different sporting terms and then they apply them to watching Prem. Like, when you watch, when you see guys watching the Premier League and then they're applying, you know, just like different, like sports you'd use in, uh, you know, terms you'd use in different sports, right? Like, like, um, trying to think of one that they, that they use, but it, one was like, like, get it, get it. Or like really general, like sports terms, right. That that can be used. Like, you know, that's like what, you know, someone who doesn't understand the game of baseball would yell for like picking up a ground ball, right? Like, get it, get it, get it. Um, it's like terms like that, which like don't really make sense. And if you play slash follow the game, you don't, you know, don't make, you don't use. I know it's a little pretentious of us to say too, because we're just two American. Well, I mean, you're, I guess you're not totally American, but we're just two guys that are basically in the same bar as them watching the same matches. And we're like, these guys are wankers, dude. They, they don't know what they're talking about. And uh, meanwhile, we're just two wanks of the podcast. So, um, you know, I, I like that the, the prem is getting more popular in the U.S. and there's more and more fans coming out. It's just always so frustrating when it's like, oh, Arsenal, top of the table this year. What do you know? There's a million Arsenal fans at the pub. And it's like, oh, Man City, they keep winning the Premier League. All these guys love me. You know what I mean? It's just it's like the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. It's like if you went to England and everyone's wearing Yankees hats. You're like, oh, cool. You guys are sick. Yeah. I think uh, it's in – the, in the words of Andy Ridgway, it's supposed to hurt, right? So being a football fan is supposed to hurt. So um, I think if you're, if you're getting into the Prem or you're trying to follow it more, I mean, full credit you know, follow, follow whoever you want, right? Whoever speaks to you, you can't really like, it's something you, you can really force, right? The club chooses you. Um, it's like the, the, the wand chooses the wizard, right? Um, nice. But Another Harry Potter reference back to back. Yeah. Right. Back to back weeks. Go Graham. Um, but I do think, um, just ov- overall, like if you can really plug in before just following like a major team, that's fine. But it is a little per- probably pretentious of us, right? To to sit back and say, because like you said, we're just two wanks with the pod. So I mean, but um, everyone's just picking and- these teams at random. Shout out our sponsor, Gage Minkowski, IG G Minkowski, Brentford B head. You know, so you got to yeah. He everyone, is a has a, everyone has a choice, and when you pick Arsenal or Man United or whatever, I'm gonna think you're a little bit lame, and I think that's fair. You know, I'm not going to hate on yep. you that hard, but I'm always going to think you're a little lame for that choice. Yeah, which is fair, right? So, um, and I think if you take the so the headline for the results, um, Arsenal got a late, late winner. Reese Nelson is just like the super sub for Arsenal. Um, comes on, scores like it was like a 97, 90th minute winner against Bournemouth. If you take like that, the context of the late winner away, um, you know, the headline could just be, oh, Arsenal beats last place Bournemouth 3-2 at home, um, which, you know, um, doesn't, but that doesn't obviously include the context of the game, right? Um, so they came back from 2-0 down, um, a very heroic comeback, scoring three goals in sort of the last we The, the best part minutes. about that match was the first minute. Holy shit. We were, we were watching. We had just sat down, basically just got our first pint, and the, Brent, uh, Bournemouth kick off. And you can tell they're running some play because they've got like seven players probably at the halfway line and they just start darting forward. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Look at this. And then just like that, goal, goal. So first minute, Bournemouth scores again early in the second half. And 
Arsenal, 62nd minute, Thomas Party, Ben White, 70th, Reese Nelson, 97th. Three guys that you would not have expected to get on the score sheet for them either. So that was a it was right. a gritty win. They needed the three points. They had already seen that Man City got three against Newcastle prior to their kickoff. So you have to respect uh, the ability to come back. And it's match they should have won. They're at home against the team that's bottom of the table now. But yep. credit where it's due. They got what they did what they needed to do. Reese Nelson saved them. It was an unreal hit in the 97th minute. The composure that he had coming off the bench, pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, and I think that was. That was a very uh, yeah uh, emotionally engaging result for sure. Um, the pub went wild, and um, it's just one of those where if Arsenal go on to win the title, right? There's like little moments where they've come back at the end of games, like that being one. The Villa come back late with a Jorginho kind of shot off Emi Martinez and in. So they have this sort of storybook signature. You know, if you're watching that DVD and like not that you would be, but in 2030, um, and you're watching that DVD of the title-winning Arsenal season, you know, 2022-2023, like, there's some signature moments in there. Um, and this was definitely one of them, right? Full credit. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, they, they maintain their, their run right now. They sit at the top of the Prem still, five points ahead of Man City. Uh, so credit where it's due. They play Fulham next. We'll see if they can continue it. But as of right now... Arsenal still looking good for their money. I, it's going to be a tight race between those two. But like I said, credit where it's due. They got the result they needed to. And that's what it takes to win a title is to win ugly once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then the other headline game of the weekend was Liverpool beating Manchester United by a touchdown. It's a 7 0 <laughs> Liverpool thrashing. Yeah, and an extra point, right? Like that was just. Uh, just mental, um, and the game sort of—it was obviously a lot tighter early on. Um, I've listen. I've I've actually I've watched the highlights of this game a bunch bunch of times, and actually like tactically spent some time, you know, watching this game back, just to see how um, you know how Liverpool were able to put so many past United because United are usually a pretty strong defensive side. And I think to put it plainly, there were a lot of individual matchups that um, Liverpool won. And then once they got sort of three, then all of sort of the front line and midfield of uh, United, like once they got two, three, maybe maybe this, after the second, I don't think Arsenal or Manchester United thought that they could score three. And it was just interesting. You saw their midfield press totally you know, dissipate. Um, their forwards you know, not tracking back on the outsides. And that's what sort of their identity is. And I think you just kind of saw... Manchester United on the back of that cup final crashing you know they, they won the cup final they celebrate they get their trophy there's a lot of buzz 10 hogs United and then they just got very quickly brought back down to earth by Liverpool so I think a, a culmination of factors but I, I I don't know there's a lot of people with this result I think who are reading way too much into it right like I in my mind if you can lose 7-0 it's the same as losing 1-0 well, um you know you're getting no points so I think man. there's it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not like they were like outclassed um and I think there's a lot of people who it was a crazy game, sure, but I, I think, I don't know. I, I just think Look, for some, I've seen too much of this United team this year to think that they're that bad. Now, I'd, I'd rather start, I'd rather start with Liverpool because you can talk about oh, it's not the big of a deal for United, and I kind of agree. Um, keep in mind, last week I did pick Liverpool to win this match. I think it was two one though, so not quite in the score line. But I've been big on Liverpool for the past few weeks, and then we talked a few weeks back uh, between Chelsea and Liverpool who's going to finish higher. I'm assuming you want to walk back your take on that. But I said Liverpool, and it was because I I said they're going to get healthy, and there's still a lot of quality in this side. And it wasn't even necessarily them getting healthy in this one because you have a brace from Gakpo, you have a brace from Darwin, a brace from Salah. Uh, Those guys have been there since January, right? 
Gakpo has really been kicking on. We knew this guy was a player. We watched him at the World Cup. He was one of the best players at the World Cup. There's a reason why they signed him so quickly after that. Darwin is the XG king, right? That's all we hear about is Darwin's getting in all these positions. He's got so much expected goals. He misses all these chances, but he does get in those positions, and eventually it's going to pay off. And Mo Salah, down year, but scores twice as well. I mean, this Liverpool team is still good. Gakpo and Darwin are young. They're talented. Salah's still got a little bit of life left in him. Um, they, they have a lot of areas they need to upgrade, but, I mean, they were dead in the water a month and a half ago, and now they're they're looking like a, a good bet for top four. Um, and it, it's 7-0 is a, a wonky result. It's not something I put too much stock into either, personally. But you have to give them credit. I mean, they played them off the pitch. United gave up down the stretch, but you, you still scored seven goals. And you scored seven goals, and your first goal was in the 43rd minute. It was an absolute slaughter in the second half. We Every goal, we were like, how is this still happening? So I, I do have to to push back a little bit because you're like seven nils the same as one nil. This was not one nil. This was an absolute thrashing. Yeah, I guess I agree with the take, or I guess I agree with the stance of from a Liverpool perspective, you know, this is hopefully like the official kind of stamp of them being like, okay, we're back, right? We spent three quarters of this season um, figuring it out with our personnel and integrating these new signings, Gakpo, Nunez, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I can, I can, I can buy that. And you're right. I think probably now, uh, you know, my Chelsea take isn't looking great. Although they did win the Champions League against Dortmund this week, and they won one nil um, over the weekend. So I mean, they're, they're yep. starting to find their footing a little bit. But Liverpool are, are coming, and we can get into the United stuff because I just wanted to give them some credit. You know, they've been on a little bit of a good run here, and they they showed up and they absolutely obliterated a good team, a team that's in third in the table I, that we've talked pretty highly of. Yeah, and I think the the if people forget that um, that li- the Liverpool team a few seasons ago, um, when they really first started finding their form, it was actually similar to this. It was in the back half of the season, if you remember, when Liverpool really started to put together um, a strong run. It was like one of those really good calendar year seasons, um, as opposed to, and that's why they didn't win the Prem the first year. And a lot of people say that right, their run was sort of not at the right time. Maybe this maybe this is a start of that for Liverpool where. Um, you know, over the next 12 months, right? They've finally replenished the forward line, got some more youth in the team. Do you think if they go out and do some good business in the summer, pick up Bellingham, for example, they could be a real force next season. Um, and this season, you know, is is an off year for them, but maybe, you know, ends up not being as bad as um, as we thought it there would was be. A, um, there was a lot of chatter about this is the end of Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. And you watch this yeah. and you're like, you know what? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. You're right. Yeah, 100%. I, I, and then, but on the United side, um, I think that's where I think it's a little bit more like what's the difference between one nil or seven nil, right? Like it's just three points that they didn't claim against Liverpool. Um, they they've been a good results team all season. Um, kind of a lot of close victories, and we've said that before. They don't have the same level that Arsenal or City do to really blow teams out. A lot of really good good results oriented team, and then this is a game that like the result got away from them, and then they kind of just gave up, right? So you can tell their game management is really good, um, and so in this game. You know, they went down two, and I think they just kind of knew, like, eh, we only win games by managing games, and we can't do that now, right? Um, you know, it's almost like a pitcher who pitches to contact, and then, like, the first couple batters, like, hit home runs, and it's like, ah, well, shit, like, I pitched to contact, so I think I'm kind of fucked, you know? What, um, what do you think and, Ten Hag's message to the team is after this performance? I think you say exactly what I just said, which is, But what guys, do you think Ten um, Hag says? Because I know, like, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I think that's probably good messaging. But where, is that is that what you think 
his personality, that's what he's going to say. Yeah, I think I think he's a smart man manager, which if you just look at the way he's been running the team this season, getting rid of Ronaldo, um, his man management of Rashford, like there's enough use case, I think, where he's a, a good psychologist and a good man manager. And I think he's probably, what are you going to do? You're going to lose 7 nothing and then lash into a team the week after they just won a cup? I don't think so. I think probably, probably what he says is, hey, 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 that's not our day. Let's, we're going to get him for training tomorrow because that's not up to our standards. But um, for now, know that you know it's a it's a it's the same as a one no loss. But don't think that I'm just going to let this slide and we're going to earn it back on the training pitch. That's what I think, I, he probably says. I, I think you're probably right. But my one takeaway from United from this match is that I think they're pretty pretty soft. Right? They've got a couple of guys that might not be, um, but. You look at Bruno shoving a ref, shoving a linesman at the end of the match down 7-0. Um, he's, he's the club captain. He is such a little baby, dude. I, he, and everyone, I think Bruno's probably up there for most hated player in the Prem if you're not a United fan. Everyone hates the guy. And he just whines and whines and complains and he sulks. If the ball doesn't come to him in the box when he wants it, he sulks. His body language is god-awful. That's interesting for a captain. I think he's a very talented player. But I don't really think that he has the presence on the pitch that I'd want out of a captain. And you combine that with Anthony, who is, I think, the, probably the biggest flop of this season. Uh, he has had some good numbers in the Europa League, but he has not been good in the Premier League. In this match, 0 for 5 on crosses, 0 for 5 on dribbles. Picked up a yellow card, and he just feeds off Bruno. These guys can be exact same energy, where they think they're stars, and they they love being on the ball, and they love complaining to the refs and the other team. And I, I don't know. I don't rate Anthony one bit. I think that was a a bad signing by United. It could still turn around. He shows moments of of ability, like he did today in the Europa League. He scored a very nice goal from outside the box, but he doesn't have the physicality that it takes to come into the Premier League right away and, and succeed like a Cody Gakpo does. Gakpo's got the speed. He's got the physicality. He's, he's very athletic and strong. He can slot right in and mix it up with these guys. And Anthony can't. Bruno quite can't do that either. He's obviously gotten his results and, and shown that he can play in the Prem. But I don't, I'm not super worried if I'm a United fan. I'm a little bit embarrassed probably. But I do think that they, they need to shift their mentality a little bit because if you're going to be competing – at the top of this league, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm off base there, but I just I watch this team sometimes, and I'm like, dude, like you guys are in third. You're one of the most talented teams in the league, and all you do is complain and moan sometimes. I don't think Rashford does it. Dang. It's not everybody, but I don't know. Yeah, dang, Chris, Man United rant. Tell us how you feel. I think I don't like um, him, so you know it's probably no, a little bit biased, I, yeah. but. I don't think that's totally unfair. I think if you watch them week in and yeah. week out, they they showed that often. I think I got I got I got one take and one question. One take is um, I'd rather have Michael Elise than I would Anthony, and they're very similar players. Yeah, they are very left footed, really very very left footed right wingers. Right, like like to cut in, be inverted, um, good crossers of the ball. Supposed to be um, Elise's got. You know, some height on him. Um, 
I would say probably a little bit more pace as well. And Elise, whenever I watch Elise for Palace, it looks like he's got like size like 15 feet, size 16 feet. He's got these huge feet. Um, you guys will notice, everyone who's listening to the pod, you'll notice next time you walk, watch Palace, it just stands out to me and just wraps his foot around the ball, gives it a lot of curl. Um, so, you know, if you're United, maybe you're in the market for Elise this summer because I, I am thinking the interesting thing about Ten Hogs United is they, they love opposite-footed wingers on either side, right? So Ten Hag loves the right-footed left winger and the left-footed right winger, right? So Garnacho on the left with his right foot or Rashford on the left with his right foot. And then on the right side, it's typically Antony. And Sancho is relatively two-footed and can play on that side as well. Alanga, relatively two-footed. I think a little bit... Um, I don't actually know Alanga. I think I he's think more right-footed. Right he plays right, on the left Right-footed, yeah. And so if you're thinking about like who they would recruit for, they clearly for Ten Hag want a left-footed winger. And I think, you know, Elise um, will be a great signing for them. But, I, you know, I don't work in their boardroom. So that's I my take. hands off. My question, but you're right. They're, they're very similar players. I do like that comparison. Question for you then, Chris. Um, if Bruno is one of the most hated players in the Prem for non-United fans, if you could throw out, give me three to four other players – um, who would be on that list of like top five most hated by opposing fans? Jack Grealish. You think Jack Grealish is on that list? Definitely. Do you think Wilfred Zaha is on that list? Yep. Those would be the first two that I would say. Okay, Wilf, Grealish, Bruno. Um, After I'm that, to think it's of probably any, a little bit dependent on which club you support. It might be someone, again, like, that you're a rival of, I would say. I mean... I don't know. Outside of that, I don't know if there's anyone obvious that comes to mind, but those three guys and the reason for Wilf and Grealish more so is they go down a lot. They they draw a lot of contact. Grealish doesn't really complain to the refs too much, but he does ask for a lot of fouls. Wilf complains, and Wilf gets in people's faces. He gets really riled up. Um, I think most people recognize that they're good players. Same with Bruno, but I think those are the top three. I don't know if you have anyone else on your list. Yeah, I think maybe James Ward-Prowse would sneak into that <laughs> list. Um, opposition fans really don't like him. Um, maybe Mitrovic as well. Yeah. Um, he's a bit of a combative figure, but you're right. I think I'm just struggling. To, uh, uh, Romero at Spurs is, Romero is a pretty is combative figure Romero is very well. fiery, so he actually did come to mind for me as well. Um, I personally don't really hate him, but he just like seems like he's one tackle away from blowing someone's ankle out or knee out, and he picks up a lot of cards too. So I, I could see that. I actually know, you know what? Probably Emmy Martinez. Ooh, and he's a bit of a divisive figure as well. Yeah, yeah. Got to wank off the um, Golden Glove. And then, right, and then yeah, and then uh, maybe Ivan Tony as well. If we, if you're very anti anti gamble, I feel like if you're really um, anti gambling, you're probably not as big of a fan of the Prem, though. Yeah, fair. Good take. Um, all right, well, uh, that's all i got to say on Liverpool and United, Chris. I'm sick of talking about those red teams. Um, I'm, I'm going to – so we're going to move on. We just wanted to highlight – want to do our due diligence, especially given the sponsor, IG, G. Mankoski, Gage Mankoski, pod brought to you by G. Mankoski. Um, wanted to give a shout-out to Brent, the Brentford's unbeaten run. They've now gone 12 games in the Premier League unbeaten. Actually, their last loss – was it their four nil defeat when Aston Villa sacked Steven Gerrard and before they'd hired before before Unai Emery had been appointed, which is absurd. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, that's an insane run, especially for a team that is 
you know, they're top half, but they're not top four. Um, the, the strides that Brentford have made since getting promoted are really, really incredible. Um, can't be taken lightly. And it was a good win, you know, three, two against Fulham, another team that's been really, really hot. Um, I really don't have anything negative to say about them. I don't know if you know if I have a, anything that interesting to say about them. We we have talked about them a little bit as of late. I think Ivan Tony is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Um, his penalty record is outrageous. The way just watching him take penalties is fascinating to me. He doesn't look at the ball at all. He just bangs him in every single time. I don't think there's a better penalty taker in the world. Having a guy like that on your team is extremely valuable. They just play really attractive, good team football. And I, Thomas Frank deserves so much credit for that. And um, it's interesting. They're a very interesting club. I don't know if people really know that much about them. They got rid of their academy. Yeah. Um, they just focus on all this recruitment. And uh, I don't know. I, I, ha- I can't help but admire them. Um, I'm happy for our friend Gage that he's a, a, a B-head because – they're a really fun, exciting team to watch that just seems like they just keep trending in the right direction. Uh, obviously, this this run's going to come to an end at some point, but I think Brentford are here to stay. We, we talked uh, maybe a month or so ago about those teams that are you know, outside the big six clubs that are trying to break in there, right? Like Leicester and Wolves and, um, you know, we talked about Brighton and Fulham this year, but Brentford feel like this is sustainable. Like they can, they can hang around for a long time and be a pretty consistent top half team yeah i i I agree i think there's a couple things to say about brentford really quick first one is the they are if you don't know about them i mean they're based in west london i've been to brentford um the tiny the the tiny little ground Uh, they've expanded it a little bit um it's a really good authentic right yeah it's a really (laughs) yeah there you go um brentford community stadium it's it's a really good uh, 22, I think it was last year or last week, Chris. Um, it was 18. But it might have been 18. I've, even numbers are tough for me. Um, but with um, – so I've been to the ground. The ground is a good English – sort of English stadium feel. It's right off the highway. Um, pretty easy to get to. There's a good kind of pub walk along the way. Um, and I've, I've been there um, for a preseason game. Actually, Palace play there preseason pretty regularly because it's really close to, to Palace. Um, good ground, good day out. Um, and it's got like the, it's the kind of ground with like residential housing right next to it, you know, where you're like literally walking past people's like front doors I love and that. on the other side of the, on the other side of the street is, is like where you walk in with your ticket to the ground. Um, and, um, and I think getting rid of their academy is really interesting. They're doing, just doing, a, they're just sort of challenging a lot of the stereotypes. Um, I think getting rid of their academy is interesting. I don't know all the details. I, I have read about that and the logic just being that it's not a fruitful financial endeavor for a lot of clubs, right? So a lot of clubs think, oh yeah, like we want to breed the next level of superstars, right? Through our academy, right? And we hear a lot about those, like uh, Mesa Mount having been at Chelsea since he was very young and Reese James, et cetera. Um, but um how many, given the investment into the academy and all the facilities and the coaching and, and everything that goes into that, is it is it is the ROI there, right, to produce players from a young age? Brentford have said no, and then they just kind of recruit at that like 15 to 17 age bracket, and then take those players and put them into their B team. So they do have like an under um, an under 18s and under 21s, um, you know, like a B team that they'll put players into, but they don't have like a you know an under 14s team like an Aston Villa does, Man City does, etc. Um, so that's just really interesting and really forward thinking. Um, and you know, yeah. I, I haven't seen the, 
opportunity cost, but I imagine it makes sense if they're doing it. Uh, yeah, and I think Brentford and Brighton are probably the two clubs that are really ahead of the curve in terms of recruitment right now. They just bring in consistently good players on good transfer fees, and they sell some of them, they keep some of them, but both those clubs have done a really, really good job of building out squads with depth for um, the budgets that they're working with, and we've seen that they've reaped the rewards of that. Both those teams have been two of the, the surprising, I mean, Brighton not that surprising, but they've really had a lot of success and a lot of their players are coveted by the big clubs at this point. Yeah. And, and Thomas Frank actually said today, I was watching an interview with him um, on, on Sky. He was just saying like how the training level that they train at is really high and they've been training at that level with a similar core of players for years. And they have a lot of players who have been there for years, right? Um, I mean, Ollie Watkins used to play for Brentford. They signed him and Ivan Tony has been the striker there now i think he's on his fourth season um he's only 26 um you know a lot of these guys have been there for years brian and bomo has been there for years rico henry vitali janalt um david raya has been uh was the the backup keeper for a little while like they've had a lot of um and and they they do sign players and bet them into the squad but they're you know they have just kind of a a very similar core um josh de silva has been there for a while and he's very young so um uh, and a very big Danish presence. So I agree that recruitment's been really good. I, I did want to give a quick shout. The only team in Europe with a longer unbeaten run than Brentford is Reims or Reims um, out of France. Um, Will Still is their manager. Um, and so he deserves a little bit of love on this on this podcast because Will, Will Still is a Belgian-born to British parents coach. So he's fluent in French, uh, Flemish, um, and English, and I believe he speaks uh, uh, one or two other languages as well. He speaks a decent amount of Spanish, um, and I think Portuguese as well, because people from Belgium are just like fluent in eight languages, like out of the womb. Um, and Will still is the he every it's like a funny fact, like and it's well known by a lot of uh, a lot of people, or it's been well established at this point that uh, Reims pay a fee every time he manages a match because he's actually not licensed through UEFA yet. He's still awaiting his coaching license. Um, and so he's kind of rapidly risen up through managing training sessions and being a good training man training a pitch manager. Um, and uh, and Reims brought him in, and then he became the the caretaker manager a little bit earlier this season. And he's led them to 18 games unbeaten, and that's the longest unbeaten run in Europe. And in a lot of interviews, he credits um, his time playing football manager. Um, and championship manager and making all the tactical adjustments um, and monitoring his players' training and, and press conferences up to the matches, he compares that a lot to real football management <laughs> and how it's like the same feeling of gratification of that everything pays off. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting. And Chris and I are big football manager fans, um, as are a lot of fans of the pod. So um, it's always good to see like someone who kind of fell in love with the game, similarly like we did with football manager being so successful. We've been, um, we've been playing that, football that's, manager that's basically since we've been friends um, before high school. I know we were playing it. And um, other little known fact, Jack actually did apply for the, a vacancy at Aston Villa one time. I don't know if we were in high school or college, but uh, I think he put a lot of Freshman his resume. In college. Yeah, a lot of his resume was related to football manager. Um, so maybe they should have taken a chance. We could have had, you could have been the original Will Still. Uh, maybe Villa would be playing in Europe right now, but no, it is it is really really cool. He's very young. I think you said what he's like a month older than me or something. So yeah, yeah, he's a month older than you. Got to be one of the youngest, if not the youngest, manager in the top five leagues in Europe, having immense success. 
Um, so it's very, very cool to see. It definitely deserves a shout. Yeah, I love that. That's Will Still. If you guys are interested, look at look him up. There's a lot of articles. He's making a lot of headway. He's gonna get um, he's gonna get poached by a big team in Europe, I think. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll get the the Spurs job after all this Conte drama fizzles <laughs> out. But yeah. Um, uh, but speaking of jobs, since Southampton have appointed their caretaker manager, um, they've now won two out of three, six points, um, and all of a sudden it looks like they might not get relegated. Chris, it's kind of crazy. Um, they finally climbed out of the bottom spot for the first time in I don't know how long, but they've been down in 20th for quite some time. They're ahead of Bournemouth now in goal differential. They actually have a game in hand on Everton. They're one point behind them. Seems like they've got some life back in them. Um, both of their wins were 1-0. Their loss in between was 1-0. So they've started to shore up the defense, which has been a massive problem for them this season and in the last couple of seasons, really. Uh, they've, they've just bleeded goals. So... It, I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're going to survive. I still would pick them to go down, but they have life. They've got a lot more life than Bournemouth do after Bournemouth blew that two-goal lead, I'd say. So we'll have to keep an eye on them. We had, we've been talking for basically two months that they were dead. Maybe not quite dead. I think we just found a little bit of a pulse there. Yeah, we did find a pulse, and they are ble- they might not be bleeded everywhere. Um, bleed, bled, bleeded. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they uh, they they do have a pulse. I do think I do think still think they're down. I'm sorry, right? Like I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I still think they're down. I think when I push think comes so to shove, they 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 don't have the roster or the experience for to navigate a relegation fight. And I just I bet with the likes of Sean Dyche uh, against them um, down the stretch. Yeah, well, and one little quick thing, too. They did beat Leicester, so Leicester now three losses in a row, no goals in any of those matches. They're at 24 points, so they're only two points clear of the relegation zone right now. Brendan Rodgers getting a little bit of pressure on him. He did say that he loves the challenge, he loves this challenge, he wants to stay with the club, but they're not out of this yet. Um, and, And Leicester have been pretty tumultuous. A lot of ups and downs for them this season, so we'll keep an eye on them, too. They're they're kind of firmly in that relegation race. I'd say anyone below Villa in the table who are in 11th right now have some concerns at this point about being relegated because six points separate 12th from 20th. It's going to be an insane finish to the season. Yeah, I was going to say that, Chris. That was going to be my take on the table. Is is it really is a tale of two halves right now? There's there is a bit of a chasm emerging right after 11th place, right? So you've got. Um, Aston Villa and Chelsea at 10th and 11th on 34 points. Right ahead of them, Brentford, Brighton, and uh, both on 38, Fulham on 39 points. So there's there's a group there at Chelsea and Villa at, at 10th and 11th. And then it's a seven-point jump off to you get Crystal Palace and Wolves both on 27. So once you jump out of 11th, 12th through 20th, I mean, really, it, you know, it's it, any one of those teams could go down, uh, or any three of those teams could go down, of course. Um Crystal Palace, you think, is sort of with the football they play. They've had a really bad spell of late. Um, they've actually, but they've lost the least amount of games compared to all these teams. The team that's actually lost the most, um, it, it, well, is Southampton, who, we, who I just said I think is dead. And then the team who's lost the second most games is Leicester, um, who we we're just talking about. Um, they haven't. They've only drawn three games all season. Southampton you, also only drawn three games all season. We're talking about Brentford's unbeaten run. Do you remember the last time Palace won? Uh, no, that's a good... They beat Bournemouth 2-0 on New Year's Eve. They have not won a uh, match in 2023. The Eze and Elise goals? Um, 
Eze scored that corner, the header, Ayu. and then who scored Ayu the other? Eze. Ayu. Ayu scored. Elise two assists. So yep, they do have Zaha that. back. They've had they've been out Wilf, without Wilf for a while here. He's back, so that's where normally where they get pretty much all their goals from. So that's big, but they're not totally safe. And Vieira is probably starting to feel a little bit of pressure himself too. Yeah, I think if you're Palace, like I think they stick with Vieira. I, I think the only the, if they lost their next like six games, five games, and got sucked into, you know, seventh, sixteenth, seventeenth, then maybe you know Parrish starts to make a move. But I do think Vieira's got a decent amount of job security there, and he's building for the long term, especially with our with with Palace's recruitment. Um, I think the the difficulty Palace are a, kind of a crossroads right now with what they do with Wilfred Zaha, right? Like. Do they sign, or do they are are they trying to sign Wolf to a new deal? Is Wolf not about to sign a new deal? Is this going to be the end of Zaha's time with Crystal Palace? And is he go out going to hit the transfer market that hit free agency and just get paid, right? Like that's sort of I'm interested to see how that plays out because, um, you know, Crystal Palace could need to spend. Uh, which they haven't wanted to do for the past few seasons, they could need to spend a good amount of cash this summer um, to uh, to get some help, to get some more goals in the team um, if if Zaha leaves. So I think that's sort of in the background. So it's similar to kind of like Spurs, like Spurs have this kind of like is Conte staying or leaving, and that's like the headline that's you know grabbing grabbing some some airtime there and kind of distracting away from the results. It's not the same to the same degree with Palace, but I do think that's there's a similar vibe where it's like the, the talisman of the club is he going to stay or go, and that's kind of grabbing, um, affecting some of the long term strategy and maybe in the the backgrounds of of some of Vieira's mind and the club's mind. Agreed. The only other thing I wanted to mention, we don't need to get into it too much, but it's something that's been kind of quietly happening. Happening. Newcastle have not won in their last five. Um, they just lost this weekend two 0 to City. They lost the weekend prior to no to Liverpool. They've only scored two goals in their last five matches. And now they're dropped down to six. They've got a couple games in hand on some teams, but they've really quickly played themselves outside the top four. They're not out of that race, but they don't have much momentum to speak of at this point. Um, do you think, I guess, do you have any take on where Newcastle stand right now? Either way, this season's been a huge success for them. But we were talking about them back in January uh very very highly we were very positive about this team and it's they've just kind of sputtered the last couple of months here they haven't gotten a lot of goals and things are looking less optimistic for them at this point yeah i think they're they were playing the results game so it's almost similar take to manchester united right like they were playing the results game winning a lot of games one nil two you know two one one nil one nil nil-nil draws. I remember when they tied Arsenal nil-nil. Um, and now their defense just isn't quite as uh, strong and stout as it was, right? And they don't have the ability to score goals, right? Like, I don't think Sean Longstaff is going to be a, a, like a regular contributor of goals and assists from the midfield. Bruno Gumayet, they've gotten a lot of Bruno Gumayet. Um, they've gotten a lot of sort of attacking contributions from him in midfield and he's been really good and he's been injured a little bit and a really essential cog in that team but I, d- I don't think you know playing like the likes of Murphy and, and even Almiron um, and I, I, on the like on the other wing they'll play Joel Linton sometimes but I think he's better as a central midfielder I just don't think I think you're gonna see Newcastle this summer really go out and get some attacking wide players um, because I, d- I just don't think they get enough 
they have enough firepower there. I rate Isak in the middle of those three, and and I think Cal Wilson, if he's your backup, is a good backup striker. So I think they probably have two decent strikers there, um, but I don't think they have enough attacking flair outside of Bruno in central midfield. Um, maybe Joseph Willock, but like that third spot is missing a lot of the time. See, Maximin's been best banged line. up too. He's not. He doesn't play as consistently as they need him to. Yep, and I think that best their best midfield three is when they have uh, Joelinton, Willock, and Bruno, and that's the one where they have sort of the most attacking flair, and we're scoring a little bit more early in the season. But um, and they also sort of sacrifice some attacking input at the left back position by playing Dan Byrne. So Matty Target's healthy. I don't know. I, I just don't think – I think Newcastle, you know, the water's sort of finding its level. I think um, – I think, yeah, I was, maybe uh, next season they re, they reload and come back. Uh-huh. I, that's what I was going to say. I think we've now seen their limitations with this squad. It, it's been talked about. Mm-hmm. I think probably about half of their starters can be starters in a top-four team at the max. So now it's time for the Saudi Public Investment Fund uh, to shell out some more cash this summer for Eddie Howe. they got to upgrade some of these players. But I think Bruno, I think Isak, I think, um, you know, Willick even, Trips. Trippier, Botman, Char, Hope, all those guys can stick in that, that 11. And they just need to upgrade around them a little bit. They have a great foundation. But I th- we're seeing the limitations of the squad right now. Um, Eddie Howe's doing a great job. I just don't know if they're talented enough to be a top four team this year. But I don't think they're that far away. So we'll, we'll, yeah. keep, we'll keep an eye on them to see where they finish this year. I think they're probably going to be top six. I don't think they'll be top four. And that would be a, a really, really massive achievement for them, given where they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. That's all I got on that. Do you want to do any fantasy corner? Uh, we'll drive by the fantasy corner. Why not? Um, this week, we got a double game week, it, and then there's a big blank in 28. So if you got that free chips, free hit chip still to play, you're, you might be eyeing it in 28. 27 has a, is a double for Crystal Palace. Um, Brighton, Brentford, and Southampton. So a lot of people are loading up on Brighton. Just be wary that they blank in the midweek. Um, and Crystal Palace don't, nor does Southampton. Um, but they don't have a double following as well. So Brighton uh, go bl- go double, blank, double. Um, so a lot of people are looking to the Brighton midfield. We've talked a lot about Matoma, Matoma man. Um, and a lot of people are looking to Ivan Tony um, or the Brentford defense. So I think those are some safe bets uh, if you're looking to the transfer market. But I think be wary of this fixture this week, Liverpool against Bournemouth, right? So, uh, you know, I just got smacked in the face by uh, Mosal last week. And a lot of people who... You know, we're kind of moving out um, Liverpool assets or play their wild card to get in some of these Brighton and Brentford assets. You know, you might want to hold on to them for another week just to see how they do. Agreed. All I have to say is I'm no longer unbeaten in our league since the World Cup. I made a promise that I'll never talk again about my unbeaten run since the World Cup prior to this past week. So this is me not talking about it. If I speak, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Jose. Shout Let's out. do trivia. All right, go for it. Okay. Probably a little bit more traditional than what we did last week. I uh, I think you'll do a pretty good job here. I got 10 names for you. I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Um, I don't expect you to get all 10. I think if you got all 10, uh, we, we probably deserve to be making some more money off this pod. But I think you could probably we do- get... I was just gonna say we do have the attention of the Saudi public investment fund after you just called them out for needing to spend the summer. So yeah, maybe if we keep um, talking it, about them, right? 
they might just bots on Twitter will start picking up on our pod and <laughs> retweeting it and stuff. Who knows? They've got they've got money to blow, so maybe we just keep bringing them up. I mean, right now Gage is funding us. We're probably going to quit our jobs. So, all right, ninety seconds, ten names. It's pretty straightforward here. I want you to name the ten players in the Premier League that have been fouled the most total times this season. It's not per 90. It's total number of fouls drawn so far in the Premier League season. 90 seconds. Timer starts now. Uh, Jack Grealish. Yep. Wilfred Zaha. Yep. Um, Mitrovic. No. Um... Harry Kane. No, this is where it gets hard. Bruno, Fer- <laughs> Bruno, Fern- Bruno Fernandez. No. Marcus Rashford. No. Um, Kieran Trippier. No. Um, Bernardo Silva. No. Riyad Mahrez. No city players. Um, oh, Bikayo Saka. Yes. Um, Martin Odegaard. No. Martinelli. No. Jesus. No. Um uh Darwin Nunez? No. Maybe a couple more you can get on here. The other ones are kind of tough. Um Ivan Tony. Yes. Got 30 seconds. You got four uh, right so far. Um Oli Watkins. No. Um shit, no, really? Uh, uh Douglas Louise. No. Um 15 <sighs> seconds. Jimenez, Brennan no. Johnson. No. Uh, James Madison. Yes. Um, Ian Ianacho. Nope. Um, uh, Nanto from Leeds. No. Nope. Um, Two. One. Ward Prowse. Philip Billing. Time. 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 Slonky. You're just throwing out Bournemouth players. All right, you got five out of ten, which is what I was expecting would be a pretty good number because some of the other ones are pretty tough. Um. I was also a little bit upset when you asked me for the hate, most hated players in the Premier because obviously Zaha and Grealish oh, are the top two. I was like, ah, and this is kind of where I'm going with this uh, trivia, but you would have gotten both those guys anyway, no problem. So I'm going to go down the order. You got five out of ten. The number one, Wilfred Zaha, fouled 60 times. Mm-hmm. Number two, wow. Jack Grealish, 58. Number three, fouled 56 times. Crystal Palace player. Elise. No. Eze? Nope. Think what? about who plays a lot for Crystal Palace. Check 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 Ducure? No. Oh, Ayu. Yeah. God, Jordan Ayu is the third most fouled player in the Premier League this season. Wow. That's no. crazy. I should have gotten that. Number four was Ivan Tony. So you got three of the top four. Mm. Number five, I thought you might get this guy, but I wasn't surprised you didn't. West Ham player. I was looking at West Ham and I was like, Paqueta? No. More consistent player. Yeah, Jared Bowen. God. Number six is a guy who we literally just talked about three minutes ago and gave good reviews for. We just talked about him two minutes ago and we gave good reviews for yeah, he's there's only he's one of only like two guys in this list that I would say I'd consider to be a central midfielder. Um, oh, we were just talking about him in this the spine of the team. Oh, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno Gomes, number six, number seven, Bukayo Saka, 
Number eight mm-hmm. would have been shocked if you got this one. Nottingham Forest. He's the other midfielder on the list. Morgan Gibbs White. No. What? This one's tough. Not averaging Gibbs a White? six point five one rating in the Premier League this season. What? Remo Froiler? Nope. English. Um English. What? Chris Wood? Mm-mm. Midfielder. I'll, I can give it to you. Midfielder. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Not John Joe Shelby because he just he just started there. Oh, Ryan Yates. Ryan Yates, forty-three times fouled, same as Saka and Bruno. And then you wow. had you had Madison at ten. Number nine was the other one you missed. A Leeds player. A Leeds player. I said Nyanto, Jack Harrison, or um, what? Tyler Adams probably because he plays a lot. More attacking minded. More attacking than oh, they have Sinistera. They have Nyanto. Um, he hasn't Aronson. been as big of a player for them the last couple of months. He played a lot more pre World Cup, I'd say. Really? Um, the Loma, Yang? Rodrigo. No. Oh, Brendan Aronson. Oh, I just said Aronson. Oh, I didn't hear that. Sorry. Brendan Aronson. Good. Number nine. 42 times. Same with Madison. That's pretty good. A lot of the usual suspects on the list, I'd say Zaha, Grealish, Madison. Saka, all pretty unsurprising. Bowen kind of in that same group. It's a lot of these guys that are like these attacking midfielders slash kind of winger players that love to dribble. Um, I think it's, if we went back the last four seasons, I bet you it's Zaha and Grealish the top two every season. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you it is. It's it's pretty crazy. It just it, Which makes sense, sort of. You need those ball carriers on teams that are, you know, not as teams that aren't as dominant in possession you sort of rely on the advancement of a, of a really dominant ball carrier uh, carrier carrier like Grealish like Zaha but now Grealish is still doing that same thing for for Man City so yeah I was definitely the most surprising um, but you think about the way he plays he likes to hold up the ball he shields really well with his body he goes down pretty easily so I, I wasn't when you think about it it kind of makes sense but that one was probably the one that surprised me the most yeah, a little surprised to not see Ollie Watkins on that on that list too. But I think that's know. fair. But I think people can't catch him a lot of the time. He he like runs in a straight line a little bit more than some of these other guys. You know, he's he's a little more direct. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys like to they dwell on the ball a little bit more than Ollie might. True, true, true. But good job. Five out of ten was good there. That was a tough list. So some weird names on there too. Um, yeah, and you didn't t- and you didn't tell me to just think this time. So I, just uh, think about yeah. it. Just really think about just it, think. and you might get it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think thinking would have helped there. You kind of had to know. Yeah, I'm mad I didn't get IU, but outside of that, it would have been tough. IU was yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. All right, cool. Let's do some predictor. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right, six matches. You know, we haven't really talked about this, but NBC has kind of been just screwing us with this. They've been promoting their their stuff for years. They add a sixth match. Now they drop the jackpot down from fifty k to ten k. I mean, what are we even doing this? Ten uh, k. What am I? What am I here for? Right? Doesn't really matter. It's still yeah, a good way to brutal. preview the games. That's the main reason why we do it. But the the riches that we could win off this have been diminished quite a bit. Anyway, first match of the weekend on the predictor app. Leeds at home against Brighton. We didn't talk about Brighton much. They just won 4-0 against West Ham. Very impressive. What do you got in this one? 
I think they're going to destroy Leeds. Um, and I think it's going to be, I'm going to go 3-1. I'll go 2-0 Brighton. I agree. I think they're going to absolutely dominate this game. Brighton are a machine right now. An absolute machine. They just and they, we, I don't think we talked about it. They they signed Moises Casado to a new contract in the past week. Um, still seems like he could get sold this summer, but they're doing everything they can to hold on to him. It's kind of surprising he didn't get sold in January, but that team is humming right now. Leeds are going to be in trouble. They're 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 going to be in trouble. But yeah, two 0 Brighton away, and then we have Leicester at home against Chelsea. This is a very interesting tie, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, I think in this one, I think it's, I mean, Chelsea plays everybody close. I'm going to go Chelsea 1-0, riding the high off that Champions League game. Yeah, they, they've been really good defensively as of late. Like we talked about last week, they're missing Thiago Silva now. Leicester do have goals in that side. I'm going to go 1-1. Let's just ramp up that pressure on Graham Potter again. I think if Chelsea can make a good Champions League run, he'll survive, even if they finish in like, you know, yeah, we don't something. we don't talk too much Champions League. Big comeback for them to win two one against Dortmund and advance to the final eight. That is huge for Graham Potter at this point in the season. So very, um, very big. I'll go first this time. Palace at home against Man City. It's twelve thirty Eastern kickoff on Saturday. Gonna be watching that with our boy Aaron Zinda. Big big Palace guy. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be a very fun watch for us though. I'm gonna go three nil Man City. Interesting. I okay. So, I just have a weird feeling about this game. Palace always play City pretty close. They do, um, and and it's at Selhurst. And I think the v, like you said, if Palace gets a bad result, I think the walls start to cave in a little bit on Vieira. So I, for some reason, I just feel like this has the recipe for Palace to like really kind of put their foot, plant their foot in the sand, and pivot and. And get a result here. Whether or not they're going to get a win, I, I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. All right, that's a homer pick, but I love it. All right, next is Man United at home against Southampton. United looking to bounce back in a big way. Southampton riding some momentum. But I, I think we snap back to reality here. I'm going to go 3-1 United. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 United. Very similar thought process there, too. Okay. Um, and then we go to Sunday at West Ham Villa. I actually think United might play Sunday, too. I don't know why I made that transition. But West Ham at home against Villa. What do you like here? West Ham coming off a bad loss uh, to Brighton 4-0. Um, and Villa coming off back-to-back wins. Um, Villa really starting to look strong defensively. And I don't. I think with this West Ham team is struggling to score. It's also going to be um, there were you know Danny Ings and a little bit of a vengeance game maybe. Um, I see Villa winning this game two uh, 0 My big concern here is that Villa are going to be without Bubakar Kamara ankle sprain after a nasty challenge from Cheek to Corey over the weekend. He has been an anchor for that side. We saw when he got hurt prior to the World Cup, Villa really melted down. I'm a little bit concerned about that again. They don't really have a like-for-like like replacement for him. Uh, we've seen some of their, their players come back inside, like McGinn, which is going to be helpful. But they're going to have someone with Doug Louise there. I don't know if it's going to be Callum Chambers. I'm not really sure what Unai Emery is going to want to do Den- there. I th- I'm expecting to see Den Donker there in that spot. Chris. I could see that, but that's a big downgrade from Kamara, in my opinion. 
And West Ham are going to be desperate for a result. I'm going to go 1-1. I hate that, though. Okay. I really want our Villa boys to pull it out. And then the last match that we have here, Newcastle at home against Wolves. This one might not be the prettiest match to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a gritty, defensive, good goalkeeping display as well. I'm going to go 1-1 in this one. I, this is probably like the 12th time this will happen to Newcastle this season, but I'm going to go nil-nil. I just don't see goals out of either of these teams. And, and I like both the defenses. You're right. I like the goalkeepers. I don't know. This If, if we were picking all these matches, one to skip, it might be this one, just because I think it's going to be very defensive. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go nil-nil. All right, there you go. Well, get your picks in. Um, because we're getting so many picks correct, NBC has caught on, and they're, they've depleted the fund yeah. to 10K and added added a game. They've really we were about to on. bankrupt like, hey, this was, them. This was too easy. Yeah, we were going right. to bankrupt the, the National Broadcast Corporation. All right, JGTS bankrupts, uh, bankrupts NBC. Um, also, you know, brings followers to G Minkowski on Insta um, and calls out the Saudi foreign investment fund. So, hell of a headline fund. week so, for I'll, us. Yeah, big, big, big Wall Street week for uh, for the pod. Um, but Chris, that's all I got for uh, for I, this week's episode. I have Anything one else? more thing I wanted to say. Um, I know I've had some mic issues as of late. I'm aware of it. I appreciate <laughs> the feedback. Um, and and I, that's I mean that genuinely it's helpful. We don't Jack and I don't always go through and listen to all of these episodes. I personally don't like to. I, I don't know if other people feel the same way, but it's a little bit awkward or uncomfortable to listen to yourself talk for an hour. <laughs> so. It's not my favorite thing, but I did get a new mic this week. We're working through the kinks with it. It's an upgrade. I'm hoping this quality comes out really good. If it's not that good, it'll be better next week, but I appreciate you listening through it this far. Um, so thank you again for the feedback. Any, any feedback you have, whether it's that or just content-related, anything like that, it, it really does help us uh, make the show better. So just wanted to say thanks for that and hoping, fingers crossed, that it's going to turn out a little bit better this episode. Yeah, I love that. Fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, there's something interesting about listening to your voice for an hour. I, I, I was doing it the other day and I was like, you should listen to this podcast instead of listening to your own, to yourself talk for an hour. And I was like, yeah, it does seem pretty conceited, but I do listen to like spot check the audio and stuff. It's um, not just know, conceited. Every, every it's it's not just arrogance. It's like we want, we don't want to put out an hour of us talking <laughs> and for it to sound like dog shit or for us to, <laughs> to, to sound really stupid. But it's also challenging to listen to yourself talk because you just pick up on these little minute things that piss you off. Um, I know I keep saying, like, we have these phrases and things we repeat and all this stuff. So it, it's a weird thing, podcasting. Uh, but again, no, appreciate all the feedback. Everyone that's listening, thanks a lot. We've gotten a lot more chatter, texts, tweets, all that stuff the last couple of months. Uh, feels like we've been on a good roll. And so we're going to try to keep going and keep improving. So I just want to say thanks to all the listeners at this point and the pod that are still with us um, as I'm rambling. And that's all I've got. Love it. Uh, well, as always, gang, just goes to show. Everybody's human. Thanks, guys.